0: This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to announce on Sunday night, March 6th at 7.30 p.m., I will host a live Ask Me Anything virtual event. I'm going to talk about all things commercial real estate and retail. Check out RetailRetold.com/ama for more details on how to sign up for the event and submit your questions today. Join me on Sunday, March 6th at 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sign up today at RetailRetold.com/ama for more information. I hope to see you there. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. With us today is Mora Neville Thomas an expert in productivity and work-life balance, and a pioneer in the concept of attention management, which she calls the new path to productivity. You may have seen Maura's work before in places like TEDx, The Wall Street Journal, or one of the many books she's written or contributed to. Or maybe you follow her columns on Forbes or Harvard Business Review. She's also great at pretending to exercise, and she much prefers TV shows, movies, and books that have a happy ending. Hi, Maura. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here.
0: So, Mora, th- that was a lot, but give us a little bit more about who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, I work with teams and uh, and at uh, uh, conferences. I am. My mission is to help people live a life of intention and choice, rather than a life of reaction and distraction.
0: Um. And. The way that you get to that is when you're working with teams is through productivity training. Is that a fair? It is.
1: Yeah. I go in and and, uh, depending on the event, I do workshops and presentations anywhere from 45 minutes to two and a half days.
0: And what is productivity training? What, what are we doing in a productivity training?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So there is a very specific definition of the word productive that guides my work. And that definition is achieving a significant result. So how productive you are is how much progress you have made on the results that are significant to you, but the significance changes with the time horizon. So if I were to say to you, what was the most significant thing you accomplished today? You'd probably have a different answer than if I asked you at the end of the week, what was your most significant thing this week? And you'd have a different answer at the end of the month and at the end of the year. And ultimately, when you ask people at the end of their life, what was significant to you? What was important? The kinds of things they say are things like, you know, I had an impact and I made a difference and I was kind and I loved and I was loved and so those things happen in moments right if somebody if somebody feels kindness from you that happens in a moment or a, an accumulation of moments so when I say I help people be more productive I mean I help them achieve the most important things on their to-do list for today and this week and this month but ultimately, that they um, live a life of choice and that they live a life by design and that they leave the kind of impact on this world that they want. So that's what productivity means to me.
0: Okay. That's a good jumping off point. I want to bring it back a little bit to some things that are more personal to you. I've got three questions for you. We call this clear to the air. They are personal questions. Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. Go. Okay. Question one. When is the last time you did something for the first time and what was it?
1: My husband and I are working on this right now. We are learning about Web 3.0, which I'm still not even sure I know what that means, but we're, we're working on it.
0: <laughs> as, am I, uh, I, as am I, I just went to a conference that had a boatload of information on Web 3.0. Uh, it was the NRF, the National Retail Federation's conference, and there are retailers who are opening up stores in the metaverse and a lot of things happening as it relates to web 3.0. So anyway, I got it. What have you guys done so far?
1: We are, um, I mean, it it started with crypto and then we moved into like smart contracts and like what's possible on smart contracts. And now there's this whole, it's mostly financial for us, um, but it's, Uh, learning about like how to leverage crypto assets as part of your investment portfolio and how things are going to change once smart contracts become more widely used. I think, um, I think it's big. I think it's going to change a lot. If I can wrap my brain around it, (laughs) maybe I can benefit from it in some way and help other people.
0: I couldn't agree more. Okay. Question two. What is one skill you don't possess but wish you did?
1: I really wish I could sing. <laughs> I don't can't sing at all, but I think it would be fun.
0: It was. I have zero musical ability. Zero. Yeah, me
1: too.
0: Okay, last question. What is one thing most people agree with but you do not?
1: Um, I have always been a person who questions authority and kind of bucks conventional wisdom. I, I love, you know, why do you think that? What, what, why do you say that? What, what makes you say that? And I, I, I feel like we all have beliefs and ideas and some of those beliefs are conscious. We know about them and some of them aren't. And so I, I love it when people ask me like, why do you think that? Because it really makes me think about why do I think that? And, um, should I think that? And is that the right thing to think? And, um, Can I defend my position? Is it intellectually honest? So I think those are, those are fun.
0: (laughs) I love it. Okay. Excellent. Thank you for playing that game with me. So today we're going to talk about your top five productivity tips. And I learned a bunch of tips from you through reading some of your books. The first book I stumbled on and you've written many was To Do To Done, which I listened on Audible and was super refreshing because it was quick on Audible. I have listened to many books that are 10 hours long. This was 90 minutes and it had some super tactical information that you could apply right away, which doesn't happen in every business book that you read. So I thought it was a great book, and that led me to other books that you have uh, written and all super interesting, uh, especially someone who likens themselves to a productivity nerd, even if I'm not excellent at it, but I do enjoy the topic a lot. So uh, I like lists, do a lot of top five on this this show. So even if they're not, we're going to pretend they're in some order. What is your number five productivity tip for everyone out there?
1: Move from paper tools, productivity tools, to digital tools. A lot of people, you know, have their paper calendars and their notebooks that they carry around. And they tell me, oh, I, you know, I tried to do, um, I tried to use computers, but I just like the feel of paper and I write like to write things down and I like to check things off and it's just better. But really, I think people say a lot like this is what works for me. And back to that sort of questioning authority, questioning things. Is it that it really works best for you or is it just that it's your habit and it's comfortable for you? And I get it that it's comfortable and you're used to it, but if you're going to, you know, I, I, I think, give, give something else a fair shot. But here's the thing about paper. You can't back it up. <laughs> you can't uh, reorganize things that are on paper very easily. Paper can't remind you of things. It's hard to share things that are on paper with other people. So I think we need three primary tools. And I think that if they are all digital, you'll be better off. And that's a calendar a task list and a note, a place to keep notes.
0: Yeah, so I think this is an important one to move to digital. You make a great point that it's habit or does it really work best for you. There's an analogy in your book that I think is really thought-provoking for those who love sticky notes and notebooks and who keep things in email as to-dos and I've had a task manager for a long time. I haven't been as efficient with it as I have the last 90 days because uh, I've been using some of your system. I would, the, the analogy that I thought was really interesting was the analogy about a puzzle. Can you explain that analogy to the audience? Because I thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Most people keep all of the things that they need to do personally or professionally in some combination of their brain, a notebook that maybe you bring to meetings with you, a legal pad where you write down all your to do's, Um, sticky notes, because those are for the really important ones. A lot of people have like their big projects on their dry erase board. And then, you know, the grocery list on the refrigerator. And then we've got all this stuff in our email that we either mark as unread or flag it because there's something I need to do with it there. And so when you have all the stuff that you have to do, all of your responsibilities, all of your, I call them actions, right? All of your stuff scattered in all of those different places, that would be like, that's like trying to do a puzzle when you have all the pieces scattered all over the house, right? If you had all the pieces, puzzle pieces scattered all over the house, it would be frustrating. It would take you much longer. There would be no context, right? You couldn't organize things in any way because each piece by itself is not that useful until you have all the other pieces. Um, it's easy to get distracted you run run to the kitchen trying to find that one piece you need and then you're like oh I'm hungry I need a cup of coffee or you know whatever and you're yeah. like forget about the puzzle it's easy to, for things to get lost you don't know how much is really on your plate is this puzzle 50 pieces or five thousand pieces I'm not really sure for all the same reasons that it's not useful to do a puzzle with all the pieces scattered all over the house it's not useful to try to manage your life when all of the actions that you need to take are scattered in all those different
0: places. That's a really strong comparison. Appreciate uh, you sharing that uh, comparison. Okay. So number five is move from paper to digital. What is number four?
1: I would say another really important thing is that uh, it's not the the tools are important but they're not the most important thing. A lot of people tell me, you know, oh, I I I tried digital tools, you know, I tried this app and that app and it didn't work for me and I went back to paper. Well, that would be like saying I bought the same set of golf clubs that my favorite PGA pro plays golf with. And I'm still not a PGA pro. Those <laughs> clubs are horrible. I don't get it. Right. It's the same thing. It's not the tools that matter. It's how you use the tools. But there's a really important distinction there. So a lot of people think I have a tool, right? I have this app. And I know how to use it. I opened it and I figured out if you click here, this happens. And if you click there, that's how you add a new task. And, you know, this that's how it works. But again, that would be like saying if Tiger Woods came up to me and said, Mara, here are my golf clubs. Use them. You will play golf. Awesome. And I would say, but I don't know how to use these golf clubs. And he would say, that's OK. Let me tell you how to use the golf clubs. You hold the grip end and you swing the metal end. <laughs> So now you have my clubs and now you know how to use them. Go be a pro. Still doesn't work. Right. Right. It's pro golfers know how to use their clubs in a way that I don't know how to use their clubs. And I would say that I teach people how to use productivity tools in ways that they don't already know how to use productivity tools. So it's the, it's the method or the system. It's the collection of habits and behaviors for using the tools that really make the difference.
0: I like to say. All the time, but a lot of things, it's the driver, not the car. So, um... <laughs> yes, that's right. So, uh, <laughs> That's a great way to say it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's super helpful. Makes a lot of sense. What is number three?
1: We write things... Oh, God. I don't even know. I, I've got so many... Floating through my head, Chris. I don't know which are most important, but um, sticking on task lists for a minute because I've got. I'm thinking about meetings, and I'm thinking about email, and I'm thinking about distraction, and I'm thinking about all kinds of different things. But sticking with tasks for a minute, um, we write things on our list in a way that uh, the way I say it, it, it it creates friction. So, for example. Um, we often write things on our list in a way that we don't really know what we mean, or we know what we mean, but we forget sort of where we are. Right. So we'll, we'll write things like plan the party. <laughs> it's like, right. Plan- oh yeah. The party. Where was I on the party? I, I, don't have time. Oh, no. I don't have time for that now. What's what's next. Right. So what I tell people is that on your list, you need, not just action verbs because plan is an action verb, but you need actionable action verbs, right? So if I said to you, Chris, go plan, go, that's not actionable, right? It makes you go, um, right? But if I said, call the caterer, you'd be like, oh, okay. I know, I know what that means, right? Totally. So write things on, on your list in a way that's very specific. Don't say organize the meeting if you mean email the team about the meeting. Don't say plan the party if what you really do need to do next is call the caterer. Don't say um, research competitors if what you really mean is do an internet search of commercial real estate in Phoenix, right? So be as specific as you can and that will remove all the friction because when you're like, oh, I don't have the phone number, what was I going to say about that thing? I'll do it later right any any little thing that that stands in your way makes it less likely that you will do the thing so when you put it on your list put be as specific as you can and put as much, put the phone number if you're calling someone put notes about what you need to say so that you can just do it when what and that way whether you have 2 minutes or 2 hours you can make progress on on your most important stuff
0: it's a, it's a great point so something i've been doing for years because i've heard a bunch of people talk about is a brain dump, right? Where, yeah. and, and so i have where that's, you, you just sit down and it takes me a minute to do and put like every task down, let's call it on paper, that you have to do in your life, both personal, professional, whatever. I typically, I try to do it quarterly, but I I, I would say the last couple of years, I did it like once or twice a year to really sit down because sometimes in the past, my diligence on my task manager might have got away from me a little bit. And like, I think it's good to like, just, all right, is there anything that's in my head that should be on in a system? I think it's good to go through a process to do that because I I find it's never perfect, but hopefully you can get as much as possible. And the reason that I think the precision of language matters is depending on where you are and pretty, I I have a lot going on in my world, Uh, managing some large teams, husband, father, a lot going on. And when I did this in November, I had, I came up with 80 things. So in the context of 80 things, if you're not specific and you don't have precision of language on what the actual thing you need to do is you end up in the scenario you say which is and which my lists had before which was plan the party that that means nothing so i think it's a great example
1: yeah and there's all kinds of um guidance and 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 instructions for doing a brain dump in from to do to done and then once you have the brain dump then what do you do with it there's all kinds of advice about that. yeah
0: totally is Okay. Number two, what's next?
1: I think that I I recommend that people throw out the phrase time management, just sort of kick it to the curb, stop using it, stop thinking about it, stop um, saying it to other people because we can't really, we all know we can't really manage time. And also, The phrase time management implies that the reason we don't get done what we need to get done is because we don't have enough time. But we've all had the experience where you've said to yourself at the end of the day, oh, my gosh, I got so much done. That was such a good day. And you've all also had the experience where you thought, oh, my gosh, I was busy all day and I have gotten nothing done. Right. And in those two instances, You have the same 24 hours. (laughs) It's not like you had more time one day and less time another day. Same 24 hours. And this phrase time management came about like a century ago, way before all the challenges that we have now. So our biggest challenge today in the 21st century is not that we don't have enough time. It's that we have too many distractions. And you can't solve a distraction problem with a time solution. The antidote... To distraction is attention. And so my next tip is substitute the phrase time management with the phrase attention management. And what that does is it raises your own awareness and the awareness of everybody around you about whether or not you are in control of your attention or whether you are allowing it to be stolen and also whether or not you are stealing other people's attention. And it just changes. I see that uh, on the teams that I work with, it just sort of causes this sort of subtle shift in how everybody behaves.
0: I love this one. And I think it's really great. There's a quote out there that's, it it goes something like, you have exactly the same number of hours per day that were given to Helen Keller, Michelangelo, Mother Teresa, Leonardo da Vinci, Thomas Jefferson, Albert Einstein, Mm -hmm. and the list goes on. And, and, And I think that quote always has me thinking and you you make a good point. It's, it's about what are you doing with that time and focusing on versus because we all have the same amount of time in, uh, in a day as all those, you know, brilliant people that I, I mentioned before. So I love this one. It's really interesting. It's, it makes you self-aware to say, are you paying attention to the things that are, actual priorities so that you can be proactive and anticipatory versus reactive and drowning. So.
1: That's right. And, and we all have these stories again, back to question your stories, question your beliefs, question your assumptions, question the, the, the things that are guiding your behavior because we all have these stories that we tell ourselves, maybe not even consciously, but it's how we feel and that manifests in how we act Things like I have to be always, you know, always have my email and my Slack open, for example, or, you know, Teams or whatever chat tool you use. I have to be responsive. I have to always be accessible. And the truth is you don't have to. It's just a story that you're telling yourself. And, and if you feel like you need to be accessible to any person at any time through multiple different communication channels, then you're just you're let, uh, letting other people's priorities guide your days instead of being in control of your attention. I mean, you can't really be in control of your life if you are not in control of your attention.
0: Good quote. What is the last one?
1: Yeah, following on to that being... Technique. Yeah, being in control of your uh, attention so that you can be in control of your life. We can't um, we we can't be in control of our attention if we don't first regain control over our technology, because our technology is designed specifically to steal our attention. That is its job. If you think about apps and software and even websites. The success metric of apps and software and websites is how often do we get people on it (laughs) and how long can we get them to stay when they get there?
0: Such such a thought-provoking point.
1: Right? And so the entire world is conspiring to steal your attention and keep it from you. But it's difficult because all of these technologies that are designed to steal our attention are the same technologies that we often need to achieve our most important things, or at least that make it easier to achieve our most important things. So not always, because sometimes it's a conversation with another person or just being together, being present, doing something away from technology. But a lot of our professional goals especially depend on our ability to communicate with other people and use the internet and that kind of stuff. So, um, but we need to remember that our technology, we have our technology for our convenience, not so anyone in the world is going to interrupt us all the time. And so uh, what I mean by this is things like, um, when you're, when you're working on other things, close out your email clients and just don't, have it open. A lot of people get two computer monitors so that they can have their work on one screen and their email and chat on another monitor. And if that's the case, you are pretty much guaranteeing. I mean, most of us get some sort of message every minute or two. And so you are pretty much guaranteeing that you can never devote any amount of attention to anything else because every minute or two, what's that email? What's that chat? Who's that from? What is that? Is that anything? And so um maybe black out that second monitor on your phone turn off all the push notifications for all the stuff all the little apps that have the little red numbers that say you know five seven eight you know all this stuff make those all go away you can make them all go away because that's what they are designed to do they are designed to tempt you and say hey here's a thing you're missing come on back and open up this app it's just there to manipulate you most software is developed using the same sort of um, sort of behavior analysis that slot machines use it's manipulative so in order to control your tension, the first thing you have to do is regain control over your
0: technology well so powerful and i i think i speak for everyone when you see the notifications it's hard not to get fomo and you're like oh no what's going on in the, this app that I don't know about. And you, it's it's hard not to immediately go in. So that is uh, certainly uh, thought provoking.
1: Yeah. That's why if you make the notifications go away and then you don't see them, then you don't get tempted.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay. So those are five unbelievable tips to become more productive. I'd really appreciate it. Is there anything about productivity or attention management that we haven't discussed that you want to share with the audience that you think is impactful before you go.
1: Only a million more things, Chris, <laughs> how much time do you have? <laughs> um, I will just reinforce what you said. Um, from to do to done is the second book in my empowered productivity series and each of them, we call them one hour reads. They're designed to be read or consumed in roughly an hour and they are stuffed full. I tried to strip out all the like the fluff and the stories and this is where this originated and here's the history of email and blah, 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 right? It's just got, here's what you should do. And then if you want more, there's links and information that you could then kind of go off, but um but the three of them, they all stand alone, but they all also build on each other, um, to, sh- to share my, my, whole empowered productivity system for achieving mo- what's most important to you in your life.
0: Excellent. If you haven't yet read any of them, please, everybody go get them. They're fantastic.
1: Thanks.
0: I want to take us to the last part of the show, which has nothing to do with productivity. But I have three fun questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. They're all retail related. Question one. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead?
1: I really, one of my favorite um, stores to shop at was the limited. They had great sizes that fit me really well. And I I just love the style and I'm sad that they're gone.
0: Yes. No one will. Okay. Question two. What is the last thing over $20 that you purchased in a store?
1: Books at, uh, I'm a big fan of local bookstores uh, here in Austin, Texas, where I live. We have book people, but a lot of times when we travel, I'll find a local bookstore and uh, and go spend a little time, and I usually walk out with an arm
0: full of books. (laughs) We literally have a property under contract in Austin right now, so... Stay tuned. Okay. Last question. If you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in?
1: Kitchen gadgets or home organizing.
0: Got it. <laughs> that was
1: fun.
0: Got it. Okay. Well, listen, this was great. I really appreciate uh, you coming on and uh, sharing these productivity tips with us. Hi everyone. I'm excited to announce on Sunday night, March 6th at 7:30 p.m., I will host a live Ask Me Anything virtual event. I'm going to talk about all things commercial real estate and retail. Check out retailretold.com/ama for more details on how to sign up for the event and submit your questions today. Join me on Sunday, March 6th at 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sign up today at retailretold.com/slash AMA for more information. I hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at DLCMGMT.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.